With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it, whoa, okay. I don't know if it says that on the calendar. Uh, Miller Lite, great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. And as always, please celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. 56% of job seekers say the biggest challenge is finding a job that matches their qualifications. This according to an Express Employment Professionals Harris Poll survey. The job search can be lonely, but Express Employment Professionals can be your one connection to finding that job that fits you. Each year, hundreds of thousands of people find work through their local Express office. Find the location nearest you at ExpressPros.com. No fees for somebody seeking a job. Visit ExpressPros.com. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Do you have a poll question, Pauline, before I get to Peter King? Yeah, we're discussing expansion and when you try to expand too big. Which American sports league should expand? And that could be like the NBA adding teams in Seattle and Vegas or the NFL expanding to London or mm. Mexico or mm. Canada. Mm. Which league should expand, whether it be adding teams or moving teams outside the country? Well, I'd like to keep everything here in the United States. I'm not for global expansion like everybody else does. And, you know, remember when this, we were talking about the Super Bowl in London? That was like 15 years ago. And then people go, wait a minute. Wait, we're not exporting our Super Bowl here. Let's bring in Peter King, NBCSports.com columnist. How big a story was that, though? Was that like 15 years ago, Pete, when the NFL just floated the idea of maybe the Super Bowl in London? Yeah, I never really bought it, Dan. I mean, hmm. it, it'd be one thing if some Russian oligarch uh, swooped in and said, you know, uh, $3 billion if you play a Super Bowl in London. Then Roger Goodell is saying, where do I sign? But I just, I, I'd find it hard to believe it'd be like, you know, playing, you know, Manchester United playing a big game at, at you know, MetLife Stadium or something. It just seems like it doesn't, doesn't belong and it never did. How much do you follow mock drafts? Uh, hardly at all because I have to do one and I don't want to get stuck in sort of the kind of group think that uh, if I see 28 people put the same player in for a team, you, you know, then I'm going to say, okay, well, I better put that guy there. I don't, I don't like to do it. The only time I really kind of look at mock drafts is when I think that the people who do them um, are really smart and well-connected. But otherwise, I don't really pay much attention to them. How do you do your mock draft? Uh, well, today is sort of the day that I'll 
I've been asking around a little bit, but it's just too early. And so today is the day that I have a list of about 15 people who I call. I don't talk to people on every team because I don't, most people who work for teams are not going to tell you what they are thinking. Okay. Now they have friends on other teams and they've talked to other teams and they might say, because I always say, what do you know that you think I should know? You know, because really Dan, and I talked to some agents who were very well connected. um, And then I talked to, I try to talk to, there's some recently retired coaches as well and personnel people who still this time of year treat this as sort of a hobby talking to their friends, because you might not be a general manager anymore, but you're still talking to people who are, and you're, they're curious about what's going to happen too. many of, and some of whom are in the media. So it's a weird little dance, but you know, Dan, it's funny. Last year I had the best year I've, I ever had. <laughs> I got 11 first round picks to the team uh, in the round. Now, some of them I had with trades and everything like that. But, and so I, I always think that if I can get like a quarter of the, the picks correct and everybody said, well, geez, how hard is it to tell Zach Wilson and, you know, and Trevor Lawrence, well, it's not hard, but most of the picks after that are, you know, there's a degree of difficulty with. Are you settling in on what the Niners are going to do at three? No, that's going to be a weekend call for me with hopefully with some people who know a little something about what the Niners are thinking. As we sit here right now, I'm thinking Mac Jones, but that's stale and old. And clearly if John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have gone to see Justin Fields and Trey Lance since it was not presumed, but since it was uh, it logically deemed that Mac Jones is the leader in the clubhouse, uh, who knows? Maybe they have changed their minds. Now, if I'm sitting here right now and we're talking, I say, I don't think they've changed their minds, but I wouldn't really, I, I don't know that for sure. And hopefully I'll know something by the weekend. How did you react when you heard the quotes, the comments from Trevor Lawrence in Sports Illustrated, where he sort of talked about the game's important, but not as important. It's not his whole life. I don't know. I think sometimes, Dan, we want guys to um, everybody to have the attitude of Peyton Manning that uh, before he goes to bed at night, he will send, I mean, he did this late in his career in Denver. I'm sure he did it in Indy too, but late before he'd go to bed at night, he would send some voice notes on his phone to to Adam Gase, who at the time was his offensive coordinator. Gase saved them all. It's and they're like, you know, whatever, 45 seconds. Hey, on this play that we're planning to run third quarter, I think we ought to put this guy into motion left to right rather than right to left and blah, 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 blah. And, and I'm not saying, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have some of those traits. Um, also in that story, he said, uh, I told my high school coach, I wanted to be the best to ever do it. So I don't know, Dan, I guess I look at it and say, uh, until I hear from people who've been close to Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, who have kind of a raised eyebrow and said, 
man, I'll tell you what, he's, he's not a, he's not a worker beer. He's not a hard worker. We've never heard that. So it really didn't bother me all that much. The only reason why it, um, I took notice of it was nobody ever thought that Andrew Luck was going to walk away before the age of 30. And yeah. I know he had injuries, but they he had moved past that. He was sacked 18 times the previous season. They had a good offensive line. They were starting to round into a playoff caliber team. And he had other interests. And I think, you know, you get married, you have a child. Um he just walked away. So that's the only reason why I took yeah. note of what Trevor said is, you know, he was, he was the guy who couldn't miss. He was the next John Elway and he walked I, away. I think you're right, Dan, but I also think that he would not have walked away if every day of his life, he wasn't in pain. And Andrew Luck could not get over these injuries that he had multiple injuries and he just never felt right. And he said, why do I need this? I don't need this. And I don't think it had all that much to do with the money. I know him a little bit. He's definitely not a money guy. And it's also why he really hasn't had uh, a lot of thoughts about coming back. I do think he loved football, but I think football didn't love him back or didn't love his body back. And I think it was a lot more having to do with the pain and discomfort that he felt 365 days a year rather than some diminution of his love of football. Has anybody talked to Andrew Luck in depth? Uh, the Colts talked to him before they made the Carson Wentz trade. Oh, they did. And they did talk to yes. him about coming back. Well, they talked to him just to say, Hey, what's, what's your story? What, okay. you know, what do you, and and clearly, you know, nothing has come out about what exactly was said, but I think he had to leave them with this impression that I'm not playing football. Talking to Peter King, NBCSports.com columnist, Football Morning in America, must read for everybody. The team that you're most curious about in eight days is who? The Atlanta Falcons. I mean, we know the 49ers are going to take a quarterback. We just don't know which one. The Falcons, I think, are really interesting because you have everybody thinks the owner is making this pick. And I can tell you that that's a lie. The owner is not making the pick. The owner doesn't hire a new general manager, a new head coach. And the first momentous decision they could make that he jumps the line and says, I want you to take a quarterback. Now, he's an owner of a team. He wants to make sure he has quarterback certainty, you know, for the next 15 years. And, and, uh, but, and, and they might take a quarterback, but the only way I, I was told this categorically, the only way that they're going to take a quarterback is if they are absolutely all in that he's going to be a great player. Because, Dan, I, I, I think you could look at, because they're going to have to sign Matt Ryan to a new deal, obviously, after the next couple of years. This is his age 36 season this year. He told me a couple of years ago he wanted to play into his 40s, just like Tom Brady. So unless you want to, unless you either don't think that he's the guy to lead you to the Super Bowl or you don't want to have a guy, you know, 40 million on your cap for on average for the next say five years. Uh, you can save on average, probably about 30 million bucks a year. Once you get rid of Matt Ryan 
by having a quarterback on his rookie contract. It allows you to do so much more. But my feeling is that they have so many choices. They could go quarterback, they could go generational tight end, or they could trade down. And I, I'm fascinated by the Falcons right now. What are Jerry Jones and his son Stephen doing by this outward fawning over Kyle Pitts? They're, they're, they're at number 10. Is it just they just want to, they like to talk or like, I wouldn't tell you what I truly like, but I'm trying to understand their logic. If there is logic here. In 2016, when they drafted Ezekiel Elliott in the first round and they drafted uh, uh, Dak Prescott in the fourth round, you know, I had access to their, to their draft room that weekend. And the one thing I learned is that Jerry Jones has the ability to play the trump card okay he desperately wanted paxton lynch that year desperately and uh, stephen jones was on the phone for 70 minutes before uh, paxton lynch ended up going to the denver broncos in a trade and jerry jones was just despondent at missing it and and so anybody who says ah jerry is going to tell him hey we're we're going up and getting kyle pitts I'm not saying they're not going up to get Kyle Pitts, but the price to get Kyle Pitts is that number one pick plus next year's one all but certainly. So if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you have great weaponry on offense, do you want to trade your next two ones in order to draft a tight end? I mean, I just can't see it. They're better off sitting there and getting a tackle with their offensive line kind of being a little bit in tatters now, they need to protect Dak Prescott. If I were them, I'd sit there and take Rashawn Slater. If you had to bet in what the Patriots were going to do. Oh, Dan, I, <laughs> I, I, I give up. You know, I wrote the other day that Bill Belichick has honchoed 25 drafts. He's never picked a quarterback higher than number 62. How amazing is that? Not only has he never picked a quarterback in the first round, he never picked a quarterback till the end. The highest he ever picked one was at the end of the second round. So that would seem to tell you, well, they're not taking a quarterback. Well, did you ever think they were going to spend $8 billion on free agents? I didn't. And they did it this year. So I think all bets are off with the Patriots. I will not be surprised to see them trade up to, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever, to to pick whatever quarterback is on the board. Or I wouldn't be surprised if they just sat where they were and then in the second round took Kyle Trask. Those kind of things wouldn't surprise me. You can join Peter, NFL Network, Steve Weish, as well as ESPN's Mike Tannenbaum and Matthew Barry. Tomorrow night at 8 Eastern, they will preview next week's draft during an online fundraiser benefiting the youth literacy program. It's called Right on sports the event is free to watch donate uh, throughout the show go to writeonsports.org at 8 eastern help change the life of a student near you it's a good idea who came up with this idea pete uh this is a brilliant thing byron yake who's the former associated press sports editor retired and wanted something to do with his life and byron said I want to help adolescent kids who are falling behind in school in writing and reading. And so he said, what do these kids want to write and read about? Sports, boys and girls. And so he has changed so many lives 
over the last 15 years. I'm just, I really appreciate you, you mentioning this and I I'm thrilled to be a part of the program. It's called right on sports. W R I T E right on sports.org eight Eastern tomorrow night with Peter, Mike Tannenbaum, Steve Weiss from the NFL network and Matthew Barry. Pete, have fun. Great to talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat, there was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the, I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship? It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, you know I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot Pachenko machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. Like... A lot. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my live sports and docs in one app. Like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, both included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Macs with the Bleacher Report sports add-on. Or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. All in one app with one password. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. If I could eat bacon for every meal, I think I would. I don't think I would. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, brunch. My love for bacon is no joke. My wife, who I love as much as bacon, says I would even put bacon in cereal if I could. You know, I thought that I knew what good bacon was. Uh, Turns out, nope. I was wrong because then I tried right brand bacon. And honestly, I was speechless. And, you know, it takes a lot to get me speechless, Paulie. But it was mind blowing how good it was. And now here I am, a man that's been eating bacon his whole life like it's his job. And I've never tried bacon like this before. We're talking about number one, thick cut, flip your whole world upside down bacon, man. Everything from the thickness of it to how it's actually real wood smoked just makes it taste unbelievable. It's really indescribable. I can't do it justice. And you should really just try it for yourself. Yeah, don't be average. You're better than that. Do yourself a favor and get some right brand bacon in you. Get upset. Experience bacon the right way. Right brand bacon. It is getting that time of the year. It's Miller time. You don't need a watch or a clock to tell you. It's Miller time. Weather gets a little bit warmer. All of a sudden, the beer gets a little colder. It's beer cracking season. It, it, whoa, okay. 
I don't know if it says that on the calendar. It's a beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters the most. It's a light beer that tastes like beer. That's why I reach for a Miller Lite. And it's less filling. Only 96 calories. They've been doing this since 1975. They have perfected it. You know, that summer afternoon, we're coming into that time of the year, be like, oh, man. Crack one? Yes, or two. Don't look at your watch. Don't look at the clock. Don't look at the calendar. You know. Miller Lite, the great taste, less filling, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Patrick, or you can pretty much find it anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer calories, fewer carbs than premium regular beer. Miller Lite. Rebecca Lowe is back with us, the presenter of NBC Sports Group's Premier League coverage, including pre- and post-match show Premier League Live. Well, let's recap where we were yesterday at this time, Rebecca, and where we are now with the Premier League. Dan, can I just say the power of the Dan Patrick show? Thank you. And I can say, if you get me on every day this week, <laughs> then we can make some progress. And we've already done it. It's gone. Um, well, the recap is that this time, literally yesterday, I was sat in this very chair talking to you, and it looked like the end of football in Europe as we knew it in terms of competitive edge competition with the big six in England breaking away and joining the likes of AC Milan, Inter Milan, Juventus, Real Madrid, Barcelona, creating this new European Super League. However, when we were talking yesterday, I explained to you about the absolute uproar and the backlash from everybody, all the fans, from everybody involved in the sport. I could not find, and I searched for, one person who thought that this was a good idea. And would you believe it? I think I mentioned on the show yesterday that I had been told that Chelsea and Manchester City were starting to wobble. That was 24 hours ago. And they were the first two. I think City officially were the first club to say, we made a mistake, we're out. And then it was like a deck of cards and all six English clubs slowly but surely throughout the course of yesterday all issued statements and said ah um yeah mistake we're actually thinking it was not the best idea we're not going to be in the European Super League we're out and it's now down to two clubs Real Madrid Barcelona (laughs) just hanging on in there for that money And I'm fine with that. They get to play for the championship every year. It's a home and away schedule. It's not confusing at all. Uh, Now, do you see other teams in the Premier League that the six have bowed out? Is there anybody else that might step up or is this done, do you think, when it comes to the Premier League? I think it's done, Dan. It's done because as much as I adore the other 14 clubs and one of my clubs is one of those 14, they are not quite the ratings driver. They are not the big, big boys. I mean, Leicester City, West Ham fans will be shouting at their televisions at the moment or at their radios if I say that because they're doing really well this season. But the traditional big six, it was really about those. There isn't really a European Super League for the likes of Burnley and and West Brom and Crystal Palace. There just isn't. So I think it's dead. It's over. It's done. The big question down though now is... It was so damaging in that short period of time to reputations, to integrity, to honesty within the game. How do we stop this ever happening again and ever getting so close to the edge? Who applied the pressure that led to this? I think it's the fans. I think a combination of the fans and the media, but I'm going to give the credit to the fans because the fans created 
the furore which the media then reported on um, and plenty of high profile figures within the game as well Gary Neville a former Manchester United player hugely high profile in the UK on British television he went very very strong very very early and he kind of began it in a way but the fans it was the fans they turned up outside the Chelsea game last night with banners saying please pull out they turned up at the Liverpool game they drove from Liverpool down to Leeds on Monday to to um to protest at their own club. And it wasn't even the fans of the other 14 clubs who would have been also really badly affected by this. It was the fans of the clubs themselves. And I think that's key. I don't think the owners realised that, that their own fans, they probably knew everybody else would be mad at them. I don't think they realised their own fans. They don't want to go and play Real Madrid every week. They want to play Stoke City. They want to play Burnley Football Club. That's the essence of English football. So for me, the fans have won the day. And how many times can we say that in sport? Not many times. I understand the idea of this. I understand the money, and it's all about the money. But it felt like it was too drastic. Like they, they were trying to do this in a clandestine way, late night, Sunday night. You sort of leak this out, and then you go, wait a minute. And it, it almost feels like it, it, it was too far down the road for somebody or someones to object to. But I give I give the fan base credit and those who came to their senses here. And I don't want these owners who say, hey, we did the right thing. You know, we pulled out. No, you were going to do the wrong thing. You were going to do this. I'm not going to give you credit for something like this. Oh, Dan, don't you worry. The English media will not allow the owners to forget what they did. I can promise you that. I've read enough articles already saying, let's just hold on the, off on the credit for the owners. Uh, let's remember what they almost did. But the clandestine way they did it, as you say, I think that's what hurt so many people within the game because it came out of nowhere. It was all done totally secret, secretly. And that's the damage that now has to be repaired. Because let's now remember, Dan, these six are now kind of coming back to the Premier League with their tails between their legs saying, oh, we made mistake can we play can we just play like we were playing before can we just be friends like we were before and how the fans are going to react to those clubs how other chairmen and other owners are going to react a huge amount of damage has been done the trust has been lost that has to be rebuilt and that has to be rebuilt by the owners of those six clubs and nobody else okay so now i can move on to some other things in uh the uk like harry and the queen mom and uh, you know, Prince Wetton, like, do you want me to go there? Like, I can I can start there. I, you know, Brexit. What do you want me to do, Rebecca? Well, I, I am your English correspondent, so I'm very much open for any subject matter with regards to England. Tell me what you'd like to talk about, and I'm here for you. You know what I did think about? This is strange. When I first heard what was happening with the Super League, the person I thought of, the one person I thought of when they were talking about this, and then the fallout when they it all collapsed, can you can you think of the one person that I would have that I would have in my weird sixth sense of humor? This is who I thought of. Ted Lasso. Wow. Ted Lasso. <laughs> I thought you, you got you know season two of Ted Lasso coming up, and I thought, how would Ted Lasso deal with this? Because he's always in a good mood, and I wonder what he would think of the Super League. I, I think, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if Ted Lasso hadn't been the one that's orchestrated this giant crumble because I feel that Ted Lasso can heal the world. And I think you agree with me with that, Dan. What a man. What a series. And I mean, I, we had him on the show years ago when it all started. And Jason Sudeikis, I mean, the guy is an absolute genius. That show is a show which in this very time right now, 2020, 2021, 
We need Ted Lasso so yes. much. Yes. When the when season one was over, I was sad. I don't know the last time I've been sad when a season, you know, when you're watching eight to ten episodes, because he's so positive. It, it was so much fun. It allowed people who are, you know, dipping their toes into soccer because we're sort of like Ted Lasso in some ways. You know, some of us we're like, uh, uh, you know, what's offsides? No, seriously, like what is offsides? Help me out here. And so I, I'm, I'm anxious in July for Ted Lasso to come back. I know he is the positive in the world that we need. And I think that he is the antidote to everything right now. That's partly why it's been so popular, because I agree. It was just escapism and good prevailed. Ultimately, good prevailed. <laughs> As I did with the Super League, it does with Ted Lasso. And that's what we all have to hang on to in life, right? I was worried about you yesterday. I, I was. Know. I had not seen you like that. And, and it was, I could tell, like it, it hurt. You know, you weren't unhinged, but you were, you know, the passion was there and, uh, yeah, we're we're supposed to compartmentalize when we're, when we're on the air. We're supposed to, you know, not show our emotions. And it was like, I could tell that uh, it hit you hard yesterday. It, it did, Dan. And I think as well, I've been in this, this world for nearly 20 years, this industry, and, and I grew up watching the game. It means a huge amount to me, and it's a huge amount to every football fan out there. It's a family thing. It's a, like I say, it's like a religious thing, really. Football is like that. And and it's my career and it's my it's my whole life, really. And that felt under threat yesterday. Everything that I loved about my life, separately from my family, felt like could all change. And I think we've had enough of that, haven't we, since March 2020, when what we knew of life suddenly changed. And I don't want any more change. So <laughs> I am, I tell you, we popped some champagne last night, my husband and I, and we we raised the glass to good, good. <laughs> Do you love, okay, in order, you love your son, Teddy. Correct. And then where's the Premier League and then where's your husband? <laughs> My husband's just gone out, so I can definitely tell you that the Premier League. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a huge part of my life and it's a, and i would say the same and actually you know mo most football fans would say that their, their their club winning a trophy is up there on the same day as their birth of their first child i mean i, I actually know one, one guy who works in the game who is very proud of the fact that he has never been at the birth of any of his children because and he has a few children because he's always been at a football match on the day that they've been born he's very proud of that so that is how deep this game runs in england dan uh I'm I'm probably not going to talk to you tomorrow. What? Okay. I mean, unless something happens, I'm probably not going to have Todd reach out to you, okay? Oh, 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 I get it. So you just bring me in for the big story <laughs> and then just wheel me out for another year. I got I got to bring okay. in I got to bring in some royals tomorrow. Like I got other things to worry about. I fixed this, now I move on. Oh, the Dan Patrick show, just moving through the world, fixing massive problems. I love it. Just in Europe. It. Just in Europe. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Rebecca. Anytime. That's Rebecca Lowe, a presenter, NBC Sports, with uh, the Premier League coverage, uh, pre-post Premier League live. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. 
The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find. That's not just a household item. Wow, you know I mean? even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachenko Machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports, like a lot. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my live sports and docs in one app, like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, both included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report sports add-on, or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. All in one app with one password. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. If I could eat bacon for every meal, I think I would. I don't think I would. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, brunch. My love for bacon is no joke. My wife, who I love as much as bacon, says I would even put bacon in cereal if I could. You know, I thought that I knew what good bacon was. Uh, Turns out, nope. I was wrong because then I tried right brand bacon and honestly, I was speechless. And you know, it takes a lot to get me speechless, Polly, but it was mind blowing how good it was. And now here I am, a man that's been eating bacon his whole life, like it's his job. And I've never tried bacon like this before. We're talking about number one, thick cut, flip your whole world upside down bacon, man. Everything from the thickness of it to how it's actually real wood smoked just makes it taste unbelievable. It's really indescribable. I can't do it justice. And you should really just try it for yourself. Yeah, don't be average. You're better than that. Do yourself a favor and get some right brand bacon in you. I'm getting upset. Experience bacon the right way. Right brand bacon. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. It's a great series. I'm in uh, season two. It's called City on a Hill. It airs Sundays on Showtime at 9 Eastern, 9 Pacific. Kevin Bacon, the great actor, he plays uh, a detective, Jackie Raw. Jackie F. and Raw. And uh, Kevin Bacon joins us on the program. How would you describe your character? Is, is Jackie a good guy or a bad guy? Uh, well, Jackie is a complicated guy. Um, you know, 
I tend to not really put my characters into bad or good because I've done so many horrible things as, as an actor. I mean, in the parts that I've played, you know, inexcusable kinds of things. <laughs> but while I'm playing these people, I have to sort of stay in their shoes. So I really feel like it's up to the audience to make their um, their decisions about um, whether or not they like him or I mean, Let's put it this way. If somebody finds him to be a good guy, then that's on you. I, I, I don't think it's, I think it's pretty tough to, to explain, but he's also, you know, complicated. I mean, one of the interesting things about Jackie is that he has a very, very difficult uh, upbringing, which is going to become clearer and clearer this season. Uh, and, but he, you know, gets himself into school. He comes from the streets, comes from nothing, you know, and, and, uh, gets incredibly well educated. So there's this kind of um, juxtaposition between being very, very streetwise, but also very, very well read and able to just kind of pull up things out of his hard drive historically, whether they're true or not, you know, it's, 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 it's a fascinating side to him, I think. Yeah. A lot of quotes from him. Uh, But do you, does your wife ever look at you and say, like, I didn't know that was inside you. Wow, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I think that after 32 years, um, hmm, I don't think I've ever done anything that's sort of like she's seen me do it in a film and it kind of scares her or kind of puts her off from me because she's an actor too. So she knows that these are this is our job to make it look like it's believable. Um But the most exciting thing for me and the greatest joy that I would have is to show her a scene and have her say, "Okay, that surprised me in terms of that choice that you made there, because she knows all my tricks. She's seen everything I've done. She knows all my, you know, so if I can if I can kind of like show a new quality to her and and she sees it, that's a, a thrill for me. Yeah, but sleepers is pretty dark stuff. Oh yeah, no, it's horrible. I've, I've done, like I said, I mean, I've done just the worst things. You know, <laughs> when I became an actor, I didn't want to be just the boy next door. And you know, physically, I think when I was just starting out, that was the way people would sort of put me in that category, right? I mean, um, and and uh, so I had to fight. Uh, against that. And I think part of that fight for me was being able to um, go down some dark roads in terms of the characters that I played. But then you have a movie like Footloose. So you have Footloose early. So we see you as, boy, that guy, he's the energetic guy that he's doing the do-gooder. And I think because of that, when you start to do the dark stuff, it's like, whoa, wait a minute here. Yeah. I mean, after Footloose, people really wanted me. Look, Hollywood has very little imagination when it comes to casting. Um, You know, most people end up doing kind of the same thing. Right. I mean, you even are even some of our great actors, you know, they 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 are the funny guy or the nerdy one or the romantic dude or the gangster or, you know, whatever it is, you can try to kind of veer off to the side every once in a while. But. Hollywood really wants you to kind of stay in that. And so does the audience, frankly, in a way. So after Footloose, you know, what people wanted me to do was that again, or some sort of version of that. And I tried, you know, a couple of times, but 
it didn't really feel um, it didn't feel right to me, not to who I am or, or what I wanted to be as an actor. Were you offered Dirty Dancing? Uh, no, I don't think I was. No. Was that after Footloose? I guess it was. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking of all that, you know, you didn't get Saturday Night Fever. No, I didn't. No, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But if you look, the next, here's a, here's a little uh, tidbit. The next movie that I did after Footloose was called Quicksilver, and I played a bike messenger. Yeah. And I wanted to do the movie because it was pitched to me as this, as this sort of like, you know, kind of gritty New York was supposed to take place in New York, New York thing about a guy loses money on wall street. He becomes, you know, it was like a streetwise. I mean, it was the director kept saying to me, I just love Martin Scorsese. I just love Martin Scorsese. I want to make mean streets, right? It's not what they had in mind at all. And when you end up seeing the movie, I actually have a, uh, a, a, a dancing, what do you call it? A pas de deux, um, with a, a a ballerina where I'm I'm dancing on a bike. I'm doing like tricks. I had to learn to do stunts on a on a stunt cycle, and she's dancing around me. So basically, they were like, "We're taking the Footloose kid and we're putting him in this bike movie. But it has to be a bike dancing number." And it's, you should see, <laughs> check it out online. It's hilarious, actually. If you haven't seen it, you're from Philly, but you have to have a Boston accent. Um, the difference between those two? Oh, huge, huge. I mean. You know, accents, um, if you look at accents on the on the East Coast, you know, they kind of slide in a way. And, and Boston is is in this weird way. I mean, for one thing, the the um, the O sound, the o, the o sound in Philly is a really specific sound. You know, you go you, you flatten your A's and you say, I'm, I'm going to get a Coke, you know, and that's the most specific sound um, in, in, in Boston. Totally different. I can't even think of what it is now, but totally different uh, sound. And then it kind of slides down through New York and you hear it change. And after it moves out of Philadelphia, it becomes more extremely get to Baltimore, you know, and you're like, everyone's talking like this in Baltimore, even more extreme. And then it sort of slides into a Virginia accent and then sort of morphs into a Southern accent. It's a really fascinating thing to me. I, I hope that we never, I, I find accents to be like national treasures and I hope that we never lose it. Um, I've ended up in Boston so many times, uh, between black mass and Patriots day and RIPD and mystic river. And so I've, I've been asked to be a, Bo a Bostonian. I've only been asked to be a Philadelphian once, which was a film called the woodsman. And I would love to be able to, you know, use my own accent in a, in a film. My daughter is actually doing a, uh, thing called mayor of East Easton now, uh, which is on, uh, HBO max. And, and she like came to me asking me about, kept calling me saying, dad, how would I say this? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't your character's name, Jimmy Dolan, Jimmy Dolan. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, and you're a Knicks fan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I got to tell you, I don't think I've ever really even made that connection. What? I don't even know if I've ever made that connect. I mean, somebody must have mentioned that to me before, but, but yeah, that is, that is kind of where Nick's uh, uh, six in a row, right? Yeah. They're playing well. Yeah. 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 But that's it, but, cool. It's, it's super cool. Uh, by the way, we're talking to Kevin Bacon. Uh, City on a Hill airs Sundays on Showtime at 9 Eastern and Pacific. How would you rate your basketball game, by the way? Terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. I mean, I we we played a little bit of basketball 
Uh, there was one house in my neighborhood that had a had a uh, rim on it on this little street. But I really and <laughs> one of the things about it though was like you know Philadelphia has tiny tiny little streets and 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 they have these um. Uh, these posts, these metal posts that have been there for years, I think to keep people from parking on the, on the thing. So, so you'd come up and you'd, you know, go for a layup and hit the post with your <laughs> nut. I mean, it was, it was, it was just absolutely terrible. So we were playing more sort of like football or half ball or, or, you know, something like that. And first off, I'm, I also want to say that I'm really not a natural athlete. Um, I, I just am not a good ball player. Um, but who but, trained you? So I was trained for the, for the air up there. Um, well, the first thing that I did was uh, uh, went and visited Steve Lavin because I was playing a coach. And um, Steve was, you know, kind of helpful. I guess he was an assistant coach at UCLA, I think, at that time, maybe, or uh, I think. Um, and, you know, so I got a chance to kind of see what that side of it was. And then I went and started, um, you know, using a gym. Um, and then eventually Bob McAdoo, uh, <laughs> became my, my coach and Bob came to Africa with us. And McAdoo once said that the hardest thing he ever had to do in his career was make me look like a basketball player, <laughs> which is one of my favorite quotes. Um, but he was a great guy. And, uh, one of my favorite moments, um, was they had to get some shots of, you know, just cutaways of a basket of a ball going through a basket. <laughs> and he just stands like at the top of the key and just starts throwing them in one after another, his feet never leaving the ground. Um, I guess it was a jump shot. <laughs> and, uh, and they're just going, I mean, I watched, I, 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 must've been 60 balls go in or something like that. It was just crazy. And the, and the camera just kept rolling. And I don't know why they needed so many of them, but it was, it was a great moment. Well, he was such a great outside shooter. He had a unique shot, unique release to it. But did yes. he think that you were going to somehow pick up on how he was shooting that would help your game? Uh, he could have dreamt that, that would happen, <laughs> but uh, it wasn't going to happen. Uh, it's great to hear from you. I love the series. Um, did you know that uh, Aldis was in Friday Night Lights first Yeah, season? I did know that. So he was the quarterback in New Orleans who is transferring in. And uh, you, guys, you guys got something going on there. It's a great rivalry between you two. I love working with Aldis. He's such a, he's such a great great man and and such a great actor and when i get a when i get a scene uh, he was a, he was actually cast before i was in city on a hill and um so when i when we, when we walked on the set i think our, our first scene if i remember correctly was the scene where we meet for the first time i didn't know i, had, I didn't watch uh, friday night lights i have to go back someday because I, I, everyone loves it but i just never it just wasn't a show that was on my radar um and, you know, we, we did one take and I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to love, I'm going to love getting in the ring with this guy. Cause he's so present and he's so, um, you know, you, you throw something at him and he throws it back. And, and, and it's when I get a, when I get a script, if there's a scene between the two of us, um, it's, I know it's golden. How many cigarettes do you smoke an episode? Yeah, a lot. Although I can tell you that since once we, and I don't think I will ever anymore. I'll tell you why, because, uh, when there are herbal cigarettes, by the way, 
Um, when we shut down um, after the, we shut down after the first two episodes, and when we started back up, the protocols were no smoke on the set at all. It was something having to do with um, uh, the the, uh, the COVID particles being able to hang on to smoke earlier. Like you know, a lot of times on films, you use what we call atmosphere, which is you know kind of a, a smoky kind of look to get the light shining through and stuff like that. Or if you're in a bar and it's supposed to be cigarettes. But we weren't allowed to smoke and I wasn't allowed to smoke. So um, it was all a digital effect from this second episode on. So I don't think I'll ever have to smoke again. Oh, now you ruined it for me. See, I thought you were smoking these heaters and I was going, God, your wife has to be yelling at you. No, no, it's not good. It's not good. I mean, they are herbal, but I don't think they're, you know, who knows? Yeah. Uh, Well, congrats on the series and uh, great to talk to you again, Kevin. Thank you for joining us. I'm so happy always to talk to you, man. It's, 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 it's great. Even, uh, even in this situation. Thank you, bud. All right. Take care. That's Kevin Bacon. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox sports radio and the iHeartRadio radio app. At bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.